Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Okay. Okay. We'll leave that one at that. Yeah, that was a that was definitely a sad day in uh, in in Brown's lore when um when when Joe Thomas had uh, I said enough said had, 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 well, we're look, not talking about it. My heart can only take so much. It it is relevant to the discussion tonight because uh, obviously this is the first draft now since uh, 2007 where we don't have Mr. Reliable lining up there at left tackle. We don't have a guy that we know is going to play at an all-pro level uh, protecting the quarterback's blind side. We've got a big question mark there. And what we have there at the position right now, and I know that, that uh, Manley's going to like the direction that this is going in, is we've got two people currently on the roster that I think stand a good chance of, uh, of, of taking care of that. And, and you know, there, there's certainly arguments to be had, but Spencer Drango stepped into the spot last year, and I thought – you know, especially after he, he stepped in initially and was was kind of really beaten up by Brian Arakpo in the Tennessee game when he first first came in, but the guy came in, settled down, and played. I mean, just so far over his head from what I was expecting that I think that he actually vaulted himself into a position where he could be actually considered a candidate to take that starting role this year. I'm not saying he's my first choice, obviously. I'm just saying that he played way way better than uh, than anybody thought that he was going to. Um, but at the same time, we've also got uh, one of the, the 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 maybe maybe larger profile free agency moves that we made on the first day of free agency. Actually, the day before the first day of free agency, is we picked up Chris Hubbard, the tackle from the Steelers, who has been kind of a rotational guy for them, but is you know really kind of highly considered. And we gave him a fairly you know, lucrative contract, and then made it pretty well known right from the moment that we signed him that this guy is going to be our right tackle. All right, well, if he's going to be our right tackle, we have a right tackle, and his name is Sean Coleman. And Sean Coleman, I thought last year, more than held his own. I mean, people like to uh, bellyache gin and tonic. They like to complain and whine and cry about, uh, about us letting Mitch, Mitchell Schwartz go. Uh, but if you ask me, Sean Coleman had as quality of a sophomore year as Schwartz did when he was uh, playing for us. So I think that I Sean agree. Coleman was a is a fine prospect, but now we've replaced him at right tackle. So then to me what that means, what I hope it means anyway, is that we're going to transition Coleman back to where he played in college and try him at left tackle. And honestly, I, I don't have a problem with that. I think that that probably is a better uh, option for us than anybody that we would be able to pick in this draft that would be able to step in right away. Now, without going any further, is there anybody at the tackle position that you think, Darth, that's in, that's going to be available in this draft that could step in? And I mean, is everything okay there? I mean, there's there's like some serious grunting going. That wasn't on. me. Okay, <laughs> wasn't me. I don't know. Somebody, I think. Does, does anybody? I, I mean, does anybody think that there's a tackle that we should? Uh, be looking at instead of going with the options that I just laid out. I'll, Darth, I'll start with you. No, no, no. Um, I don't think there's any tackles in this that I tech, I feel that are even first round rated myself. Maybe a top second round, but I, I, I don't 
I'm okay with who we have at tackle uh, spot this year. Um, like I said, the draft or the tackles in this draft aren't necessarily the highest of caliber. Um, the guys we have are perfectly fine. Uh, so let, let's just ride with what we got and go from there on that one. We got a uh, bigger uh, importance. Yeah, if something falls to us and it's the best player available at that time, great. Otherwise, I mean, I'm fine with going into the season with what we have. And not, it's not even going with what, it's more not using unnecessary uh, draft stock that may not be much of an improvement, if any, over what we currently have. Well, that's kind of the, the way that I look at it, too. I mean, there are guys that are, you know, like there there are tackles that are available, and there are guys that are the, the highest-ranked tackles that are available. There's just none of them that are in that uh, that mold of a guy. Like, you know, a couple of years ago there was Laramie Tunzel that was coming out at the same time that now I'm drawing a blank, the guy that uh, that went to Tennessee. Um, you know, there, there was a number of players that were, like, high caliber, and there's nobody that's really like that in this draft. A lot of people like Mike McGlinchey, the uh, tackle out of Notre Dame. There's um, Colton Miller. There's also the guy I like, Connor Williams. Connor who, Williams. Out of, that yeah, that, who I think probably may be the, the top of the guys that are available. And, of course, uh, one guy that didn't do himself any favors during the combine process was Orlando Brown. Who now? It, it he's an interesting guy because Orlando Brown. If you if you are an old school Browns fan, if you've been around as long That's as I a have, good name. It's a great name, and Orlando Brown. And you if know, you just like if you are good. if you are a uh, you know it's funny that reminds me of a bit that I'll talk about here in a second. But Orlando Brown, his father uh, played for the Cleveland Browns. Way back in the old days, way back in the old municipal stadium days, I remember it, when we went to the playoffs in 1995. You know, the last playoff game that we won, Orlando Brown was a starting right tackle of that of that team. Then the team moved to Baltimore, and he was actually one of the guys that came back with the new Browns. And Orlando Brown was the guy, and if if you've been around, everybody remembers this. He was the guy, the uh, referee. I think it was Jeff Triplett. Um, was he, he was calling a penalty, and he threw the penalty flag and nailed Orlando Brown right in the eye and caused him to lose a good port. I mean, he, he ended up losing a portion of his eyesight. He ended up coming back and playing after that. But it was the only time in my entire life where I saw a player pick up a referee and throw him to the ground because he was so – he's like and, – and he was, like, justified in doing so because he had just taken the referee – and the referee was, like, five feet away from him. Just threw this thing, I mean, like, a, like an arm punt right into Orlando Brown's face mask. Messed him up really bad. Anyway, that guy's kid – just happened to be the left tackle at Oklahoma this last year. He was Baker Mayfield's blindside protector all of last season. So he's an interesting guy uh, to consider, and he's also somebody that probably would be sitting there at 33 or 35. Uh, I just don't think, because he was also a guy that I think he put up like 14 reps at the Combine. Uh, and we're going to say uh, goodbye here to our friend Thelonious. He, uh, he's, he's, he's I, mean, I mean, the guy, like I said, the guy is over, uh, he's in fourth territory. And uh, which, which is to say, he's like way over on the other side of the world, and he, so it's 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 like a million o'clock over there right now. And he, but he hung with us uh, the whole time. So thank you, brother. Appreciate you, Thelonious. And uh, if you know you're able to get back on later on, you know you're more than welcome to, and we we appreciate your contribution. But um, Darth, I mean, if, if you were sitting there at 33, would you be excited about uh, acquiring Orlando Brown, or do you think that it's not even worth it at that point? Um, honestly. Uh, I, I would probably still pass. 
like I said, I'm not worried about the tackle position this year. Uh, we have plenty of guys, guys who've shown well enough. I think we've been, because of the man, I, I will not mention his name right now, because of hurt feelings and stuff, um, we've been so spoiled with him that we think if we don't have the most prolific guy at left tackle, we don't have a left tackle. There are plenty of guys that are going to be good enough. I mean, look at, I mean, half the teams don't even have anything near as good as uh, offensive line that we had, especially the tackle positions. Um, so I think an, a league average guy is perfectly fine for us. That's a great point. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've been, we've been we, you're right, we have been spoiled for a lot of years. Uh, and, I, and, and I kind of agree with you, and I think that we've got possibly two league average guys that are on the roster right now. Uh, and now let me ask you this. Do you think that there's any chance at all that either Joel Batonio or uh, Kevin Zeitler could make a move and play outside and play at tackle? I wouldn't do it. I mean, it's possible. Physically, I mean, you could make a move. I wouldn't see why you would do that. But, you know, it is physically possible. But, I no. In other words, I'm going to go around about saying, no, it's not going to happen. We should not do that. Because the reason I asked – go ahead, Josh. No, just uh, I mean, I, you know, it's not all about body type and all that. I mean, you know, there, there's always outliers. But to me, I, I'm not as familiar with with whatever his name, Zeitler. Kevin Zeitler. Zeitler. Yeah, we. Z-Fest. But uh, Batonio, he's I mean, he, he he's a left guard. He's he's really good at it. That's what he's that's what he is. He's not a left, he's not a left tackle. Well, the reason I asked the question, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Darth. You. Uh, no, no, that was you just echoing. Okay. Uh, the reason I asked the question is because if um, if either one of those guys could go outside, then does Quentin Nelson make some sense? Because that guy, uh, I mean, he might be the, the best player in the draft. I mean, there's people that are saying that this guy's going to be Will Shields. You know, you just plug him in, and he's going to be playing at a Pro Bowl, All-Pro level for the next, you know, 15, 20 years. Uh, you know, and, uh, oh, wow, by the way... But, don't, I don't want to break my concentration here, although that's very, very, very easy to do if you know me and you've listened to me for any length of time. Uh, but I, we may possibly have gotten Thelonious back. Are you there, Thelonious, or no? No, he's just listening. He's just listening. Okay, right very now. good. I mean, I'm here. Can uh, you hear me? Does it sound like you, crap? You sound no, all right. No, it sounds good. It sounds all right. Okay, if it sounds okay, then I'll just like talk from now on, uh, you, you know, here and here and there, okay? All right. Well, I'll ask you the same thing. You think any shot at all that either Batonio or Zeitler could move outside and play tackle? You know, I thought Batonio going to left tackle seemed like an interesting idea, although I don't know if he has the length to do so. And I think that uh, it it looks more like we're going to have, uh, uh, what, Coleman on the left side, right? That's what we're thinking. That's what we are speculating here today. Yeah, that's that's what I believe as well. Uh, I, I actually think it's a good idea, and to be honest, I feel like the solution – uh, a better solution in this draft actually doesn't seem very likely. Uh, even a guy like McGlinchey, who who seems like he could be a pretty good player, uh, he's already 24 years old, and I don't know if that's the kind of guy you want to add. I mean, I, if he's a good enough player, no problem, but I don't know if he's the slam dunk uh, candidate you're looking for at left tackle this year's class, no? Well, that's that's what we were saying, is that uh, if if you look at all of these uh, prospects, if you look at all of these guys that are – um, available in the draft this year. None of them really are even, and it's not even about like guys like Joe Thomas. If you go back to a couple of years ago, uh, 
you know, when like Laramie Tunzel was available, I just used it as an example. There's usually seems like one guy every year that is a uh, like you're no doubt about it. This is going to be the, the the best left tackle, and there just doesn't really seem to be that guy this year. There's McGlinchey, there's Williams, and there's Brown, but none of those guys really stand out. And some people speculate that every one of those guys are all you know right side guys. And so if that's the case, maybe if there are left tackles that are available in this draft. Uh, they're not going to be available, or I should say they're, they're going to be available later on, and they're all going to be developmental guys anyway. So if, if that, And the reason why I asked the question about Betonio is because this kid, Quentin Nelson, if he's available there, would you consider doing that? And before you answer that question, I have to uh, introduce into the program uh, a longtime DBN Network star, uh, all-around good guy, even though sometimes he makes really, 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 really foolish bets about the Cleveland Indians. Our friend, Scott yeah, yeah, yeah. T 73 Scott, <laughs> what it is, brother? What's up, guys? What's <laughs> up? Good to hear from you. You beat Robo here. I thought Robo would get here before you. No, man. I'm, I'm working from home now, so, you know, I am I'm available at all times. So what you're saying is that you could have joined us two hours ago, you just didn't for a whole bunch of really selfish reasons. Well, you know, I did have work to do. I mean, I am currently still on the clock, so I hope my <laughs> boss isn't listening here. But, you know. <laughs> well, if your boss is uh, listening, then he is listening to the most important draft of our lifetime's 2018 coverage here on the DBN Network. My name is Easy Weave. I have uh, had the pleasure of being your host up to this point. I'm joined with uh, manly and loving it, formerly of the Manly by Nature show. He hasn't done one in a while. Uh, we also, Former. Well, yeah, because you haven't done one in a while. Are you firing me? No, I'm saying you haven't done one in a while. I mean, come oh. on, dude. Hey, for the record, because we still got two hours to kick off or whatever, I'm here, but I might be playing Grand Theft Auto. Well, that's you know, wonderful. Really appreciate, really talking. appreciate that contribution. That's, so just, that's, that's just tremendous. say my name if you need to get my attention. Yeah, that's 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 great. Really, really appreciate Thank that. You. So, we, so we got Manly here. Uh, we've also got um, who's going to be you know stealing cars and, and and buying prostitutes and whatever. So we also have Darth Batman, who is uh, on with us, the host of Absolute Browns. Sometimes with uh, Big Town Brown, who was with us for about ten seconds earlier on. And the host of Straight No Chaser, Thelonious Seven. All of these programs available on the DBN network at varying times. Yeah, that's right. There's somebody out on the Facebook live feed, Dan Knox, saying that we need to fire Mantle, and he's exactly right. Uh, but- <laughs> Look, there's a reason I haven't done a show in a while. It's because my heart was broken. All right, my heart was broken by this team, and then it was broken. Even though I don't, I'm not mad at him. You know, it, I perfectly understand. But my heart was broken. With Joe Thomas once again, and now I'm. It's it's just. What, do you just want to listen to me weep? I, I mean, for I, thirty minutes. I, w- I wouldn't. <laughs> I would, where I am right now. I, My dog died two weeks ago. I'm fucking sad right now. I'm really. Sorry, by the way, I'm really sorry about that. You're 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 uh you had you had that that pup for a long long time and it really it, 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 yeah yeah. So, yeah. But so, yeah, it's just <laughs> I've been down. Well, I understand that. I mean, I'm I'm I'm, I'm I'm only talking a little bit of trash. Well, I mean, as we as we welcome Scott into the program, um, you know, with uh, kind of a fresh perspective on stuff, we've been talking about you know we, we talked a lot about the quarterbacks earlier on. We also talked about the state of the franchise and the various um, you know things that we may or may not do. As give me your impressions as the day has moved on here. What's what do you at this point with everything that you've seen, Ska? What do you see 
happening? Like, first of all, what do you what it is that you what is it that you want to happen tonight when uh, when Goodell announces the number one pick overall? And then based on what you see, what, what do you think is going to happen? What it is? Uh, that that's a tough one. Um, what I want to happen is I'm I'm a Mayfield guy, really. Um, I would take anybody really at that at that number one pick except for Allen. Uh, in terms of QBs, I don't want to see him, you know, doing something stupid like like taking Barkley or anything like that. Um, but it, my my dream scenario would be, uh, you know, Mayfield at one, and then uh, probably Chubb at at four. Um, what I think they're going to do is I I think they're taking Mayfield, and then I really think they're going to trade out of four. I really do. I think there's going to be. Uh, you know, I, I think the Giants take Barkley, um, and then I think there's just going to be a mad rush to get up there to four, and I think we're going to make out like bandits. Who do you think is going to so be? So that's where I'm with that. Okay, so who do, you, who do you think the target is then? If if we end up trading, who do you think we trade with? Uh, I think we probably trade with the Bills. See, everybody's on this. So you and Thelonious, and I, we all are of the same mind that, the, that Buffalo is uh, kind of the target here. And I, I, you know, I think that them having, first of all, they had they had the twenty two and the twenty the twenty one and the twenty two, right? They had both of those, and then they ended up trading up yes. to twelve. And I think that they did that so that way they could make a move, uh, because they also traded Tyrod Taylor to us, and they right. they picked up AJ McCarron, who I mean that doesn't really help your your quarterback situation, I, I don't think. Um, Although the no, it does not. The, the only the only good thing about that is that you know, and AJ McCarron. I mean, every time every every time I, I hear Stop that it. guy's name, I just think to myself, man, we really really dodged a bullet there. <laughs> we were we were really 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 close to uh, to that guy. We got somebody jumping in here. We'll we'll. Um, does, get... does anybody think anything about Josh Rosen? I haven't heard his name mentioned once. Well, you know, um, let's go ahead and get into that. Uh, Josh Rosen is. Probably, uh, well, not probably. He has been from the outset, from the, the the beginning of this entire draft process. He's been one of the guys, kind of at the top of that heap. But to your point, uh, he really hasn't gotten a whole lot of conversation. We haven't really talked about him a whole lot today, and that kind of is consistent with there really hasn't been a whole lot of conversation about him. We were talking about this uh, yesterday in the Chow that it's it's. It's kind of flummoxing because when you look at the guy, he's got kind of all of the prototypical size that you would want. He's certainly got a strong enough arm. He's very, very accurate. Has uh, you know played in kind of a pro style offense. Uh, could it be a sign that we haven't talked about him? Well, there, there you go. And and to your point, um, I I did a I commissioned a poll last night. There's almost uh, two thousand uh, participants in it uh, between yesterday and today. And the question was, which QB do you want Cleveland to draft? And the second question was, which QB will Cleveland draft? And the results so far, and I realize that that uh, numbers are a little bit difficult to follow on the radio, but uh, the 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 number one player that everybody wanted was Sam Darnold at thirty nine percent. The number two player was Baker Mayfield at thirty one percent. The number three player was Josh Allen at eighteen percent. The number four player was Josh. Rosen at eight percent, so over double wanted Rosen or wanted uh, Allen as Rosen, and then only five percent want Lamar Jackson. Okay, so that was the this is what everybody wants. The next uh, question was which QB will everybody take, 
And on this one, the splits were pretty were pretty similar. Sam Darnold at this point is now almost 50%, 47% think Sam Darnold is going to be the pick. And then you have Allen and Mayfield tied at 25%. And then Rosen and Jackson are at 2%. So it's a really good question that you ask because, honestly, Josh Rosen is a fantastic quarterback prospect. And so... I have kind of my reasons why I think it is, but I'm going to kick this over to Thelonious to answer the question. Why do you think there hasn't been a whole lot of conversation about Josh Rosen, either today with us or in this whole offseason generally? That's a really good question. Um, Honestly, I think that at the beginning of the process, some of the comments he made uh, referring to his lack of interest in coming and playing at Cleveland, at at least it's what it seemed like. I think that kind of got people off the whole Josh Rosen train at the beginning of the process. And I think it never really got started back up again. But toward the end of this this process, you got to see a little bit more of Josh uh, Rosen. Am I saying Josh Allen? If I am, I'm sorry. Anyways, I just got to see a little bit more of Josh Rosen in some of the interviews that he's done. And he's really come across as an interesting, even a compelling prospect. Uh, Darth, same question to you. What's, what's, uh, what's up with uh, Rosen? How come nobody's talking about him? I think, um, honestly, going back to the beginning of the draft process, it kind of seemed like it, everybody checked him off their uh, uh, list a while back ago, um, at least far as Dorsey and uh, Scott McGloin, I think it's pronounced his last name. I don't think they really saw him as the guy they want. Then you also got to look at um, stuff towards the end of his uh, college uh, career, um, and that was... Uh, uh, he had the concussion issues there on there towards the end. Plus, I think he had some injuries with the shoulder. I don't know. Maybe there's some stuff we people don't know about because it's not only that people aren't talking about him to us. People just aren't talking about him like player. I mean, honestly, my in my personal opinion, I think the best option uh, for him to go to would be the um, Giants. But the way it sounds anymore, they're going to pass on a quarterback. I think that's dumb, but... That's how I feel. For uh, apparently, for a a brief moment, we have Big Town Brown there. Big Town, are you able to hear us now? I'm hearing you good. You hearing me? Yes, sir. So, as we, now, Big Town Brown, he's been on with us uh, with the Absolute Browns program with uh, Darth. He's regular contributor to the site. Um, good, good dude, and a friend of ours. We've been talking about uh, the quarterback position, and and in this part of the conversation, we're talking specifically about Josh Rosen and why it is that people haven't talked about him and why he isn't really getting uh, the sort of love that the other players, uh, the other quarterbacks specifically throughout this process are getting. And as I, I just read the numbers on the poll, the guy is in fourth place. He's tied with Lamar Jackson at 2% for people that, th- as far as when asking people who they think the Browns are going to draft. So, uh, Big Town, what's up with Rosen? How come nobody's talking about him? Uh, sure, and 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 I'll bring up Rosen just the same way as I bring up Allen. It's it's all the media hype, dude. Um, the media will hype up a quarterback any way they like it. Uh, Darnold doesn't need any hype. Baker Mayfield doesn't need hype. Um, guys like Rosen and Allen do need hype. And um, you know, Rosen's quarterback coach isn't doing the great job as Allen's quarterback coach has been doing as far as the media hype is concerned. So I kind of think that's why he's uh, slipping in, you know, the media's mind and, you know, what you're hearing out there. But I don't really think that he's slipping as far as uh, where he's going to get picked. I mean, you know, look out for him to to go, to, in my mind, before Allen. 
and and but my it, real question is, what are your thoughts on Kyle Oletta? Well, we're, we're, we're definitely going to get to Loletta. What are my real thoughts on Kyle Oletta? But I don't want to get uh, sidetracked here. Ska, what's up with Josh Sorry Rosen? How come, how come no one's talking about him? Oh, there you go. Man, what's... Uh, there we go. Ska. That's <laughs> my real thought on Kyle Oletta. He's the best quarterback in the draft. You have a guy that has bigger hands than Darnold. He's uh, taller than oh, Baker, and he's more accurate than Allen. What have I done? Yeah, okay. Ska, what's up with Rosen? How come no one's talking about him? Well, I think uh, the one thing is is I I just don't think uh, that he's been out there as much as ever. I mean, the other QBs have kind of put themselves out there, and he just kind of sits in the background. And I think he said it best um, the other day when they interviewed him, and he basically said, you know, I don't want to go high if it means I'm going to go with the wrong team. I want the team that wants me, and – you know, if that happens to be late in the first or whatever it is, I want to go to that team that I can be playing in 10 years and have a long career. I don't want to go to the wrong team just to go number one or number two or whatever. Um, and I think a lot of teams took that to heart and a lot of teams that have interviewed him have probably taken that as well. And they're looking at it as, you know what, this is a guy that isn't for us, um, especially the teams in the top of the draft who aren't necessarily you know your good teams uh i think a lot of them looked at that um but as far as the media coverage i think that has to do with him and him just not being that kind of outgoing personality and not having the you know maybe the the uh the personality to be out there i guess i would say at least that's that's my my view on it I think that it's a it's a combination of cons- everything. I think that everything that everybody just said is is uh, all of it points to uh, kind of the overall picture here. Not getting the same sort of media coverage. Why? Well, the personality doesn't really line up. Why? Well, he, he doesn't really seem to have. And you kind of just alluded to it a little bit, Scott. But you know, you you, you watch Mayfield and and even Darnold and, and even Allen uh, and definitely Lamar Jackson. You can see a real fire there. Uh, when, when they talk about these things, when when you see him on the field, and there just seems to kind of be a lack of that with with Rosen. I know that uh, one of our guys that I that I whose opinion I respect a great deal, uh, Ohio City Browns believer, OCCB, that, you know, that that he he is convinced that Josh Rosen is going to be an absolute flop, and it has absolutely everything to do with his attitude. And I think that that's the big concern that people have is that he's a guy that. Uh, like, how seriously is he about football? How much is he going to lay it on the line when it's actually his team? And he's going to be, and you, and it kind of dovetails with what you just said because if he is going to go to a team that is, you know, the second or third pick or the fourth pick overall, you're going to a team that maybe won only won a couple of games next year that or last year. That means that when they're looking at you, you are going to have to be the man. You are you are not coming in to be the quarterback of the future. You are coming in to be the savior of the franchise. And is that's not something that everybody can handle. Again, using that word attitudinally, that's just not something that fits everybody because not everybody have has that same sort of drive. It's one thing to have the physical ability. It's another thing to have the desire to come in. That's why, again, that's one of the reasons why I'm a big Mayfield guy because he actually seems you know nutty enough to actually want to come here and and take on this challenge. And while well, I some think, people, sorry, no, you're fine. Go ahead. I would say some people just because they're not fiery doesn't mean that they're not determined or driven or 
you know, like, like uh, I don't, was it Scotty that was saying that he, obviously I haven't been following any of this, but that he had said that, uh, you know, he wanted to go to the right team where he could stay for 10 years. I mean, to me, that's not the worst, that's not the worst sentiment in the world that like, I want to go to the team that's right and that wants me and that I can stay with. I mean, you know, it all depends on your actual interaction with the guy and you getting a, a feel for who he is as a person, but none of that really sounds like a guy that's just like, well, I'm going to just buckle at the first sign of pressure. You know? And I, I, I actually agree with you on that. I, I think what he said was actually smart. Um, I think that he comes, at least to me, he comes across a lot like a Jay Cutler. Where, you know, he just he he just doesn't care. Yeah, and who doesn't love that? We could have, like, memes for 10 years if we had a Jay Cutler. <laughs> true, true. But, I mean, that's to me, that's his attitude. Is It's just kind of like he's laid back. He just, you know what, he doesn't care. You know, he wants to go in and he wants to play ball. Um, and I think a lot of people just kind of push that to the side because he's not the big over-the-top guy like Mayfield is. He's not the, you know, he doesn't have the big, huge arm like Josh Allen. You know, he's not that that over-the-top guy that you're just going to go gaga over. He just goes on the field and gets it done. And I think hey, that kind of hurts. Hang on now. I, I got I to break in for a second because I, I, I can't take um... – Ohio City Browns believers love for Allen seriously. I mean, he only backed up Allen because <laughs> nobody else would. No, that's I not do, true. I did. I did. I backed up Allen. I did. I got his back, that, man. That, that's and and by the way, I don't want to um, have a have a debate with OCBB that he can't be a part of. But I'm, <laughs> I'm but I, look, he he was he was on board with Allen. What he did though is a little different because there were people that were um, that no. Were, what he did what he did is follow my style of if you don't like the top quarterbacks. Find you one you love and stick to them and write an article about them. That's why you guys should check out the <laughs> Big Town Brown special on Kyle Aletta, the quarterback chronicle, QB1 on Dogs by Nature right now. That's what you should check out. That's the Chronic. best of the draft, cool. hands down. Um, his his um, you know his flaws aren't as you know I would say. Um, high up there is everybody else's flaws are now the kid does the kid doesn't fumble he doesn't throw interceptions he's highly accurate he's tall enough to play in the nfl it's the best quarterback in the draft i'm just letting that kind of hang in the air for a second that that he's the best quarterback in the draft uh and by the way uh i, I what the, the most important thing to come out of what he just said there and manly i want you to hear this always be selling that was excellent plug that you just did there btb and i'm, I'm i love it the uh <laughs> the laletta chronicles by big town brown and it actually is the case that laletta himself retweeted that article which i know was a big deal uh, for you but as but again to the <laughs> point because i i like ocbb a lot and he was he, and he has been throughout this entire process saying he likes all of these guys but what he did was that when everybody every day was coming on saying that Josh Allen is you know basically the next incarnate uh, incarnation of uh Jeff Driscoll that he just got to the point where he's like okay enough of this i'm going to if if everybody is going to dump on this guy i'm going to defend him because he's a good prospect and i kind of agree with him i mean i I'm, I'm not look at if this was if this was last year I think that Josh Allen would have been like not too far behind uh, Trubisky and Mahomes. I think that this year, because there are so many other good options, which kind of goes back to the whole Josh Rosen conversation. Because in a normal year, like if you put Josh Rosen last year, 
He's probably an eyelash below Mahomes and maybe just a little bit ahead of, of uh, Trubisky. But he's right there in that conversation. If you were to put him in like the 2013 draft, he would have been the first pick overall, no doubt about it. But in this draft, with all of the talent that's there and all of the disparate talent, you made a good point um, a few moments ago where, you know, Allen's the one that's got the big arm. And Mayfield's the one that's got all the intangibles. And Jackson is the one that's got the ridiculous, freakish physical ability. And Darnold is the one that's, like, got, you know, supposedly all this great upside because he's really young. And, it, and then you got Rosen, who's just, like, a really good passer. That's just the, that's the only thing he does. He's just a really good passer. But then again, you need to be a really good passer in order to be successful in the NFL. So I'm, you know, I, I can understand the reasons why Josh Rosen is not in the conversation. And just personally, I mean, I know we've talked about the, the concussions. I know that's a big concern that a lot of people have. But then again, the, the flip side of that is that Baker Mayfield also had two concussions. So how come nobody cares about that and they care about Rosen? Um, I, as, as a, you know, um, in, in the interest of full disclosure, if Josh Rosen is the guy that we pick number one overall tonight, uh, and the, the first thing that I'm going to do is is be happy about it, even though I really like Baker Mayfield. Josh Rosen, to me, is a terrific consolation prize. But then the other thing that I'm going to do is wonder, well, what, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about a few hours ago. Well, then what the hell was all of this all today about Baker Mayfield being the slam dunk guy that everybody's been saying all day? And hey, easy. The, the, worst, well, the worst thing that you want is Allen to slip to Pittsburgh. That would be horrible. Well, I, you know, you that's... It's, I don't know about that. I... I my my thing with Allen, if I can break in here real quick, yeah, is ahead. and and I forget who it was, but there was a wide receiver uh, on the NFL Network yesterday that was talking about Allen Lamar Jackson. And he's, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. No, no, it was it was uh, it was a retired guy. Um, but and his point was with someone like like that, um, you know, he the the, the wide receivers are going to hate him. And he said because he doesn't have touch, and what he's going to do is he's going to rifle in balls there. And he's like, you know, when I when I run like a five yard out, I don't want you to hit me with a ninety mile per hour yard, you know, ninety mile per hour fastball. You know, I want I, I don't want that because that's that's not how I'm I'm you know catching the ball. That that puts a lot of work on your on your receivers, and receivers tend to get upset at that which is what we experienced with brandon whedon right right he had all the arm you know you have the arm you don't have the touch hey g and t uh you know who always rifled in balls and never cared about throwing to the tight windows or interceptions is brett Favre. well g and he never cared about putting touch on a ball he's putting that ball in there a thousand miles an hour into a tight window into the spot that he feels is the best so that might be, you know, one of Allen's traits, not saying he's the greatest quarterback ever is going to be Allen. But, you know, hey, Brett Favre did it, too. Yeah, I mean, Allen's true, got a lot true. of uh, natural talent, although I would I would challenge you on this because you just said that if he goes to Pittsburgh, watch out. Uh, can you name for me the good quarterbacks that Pittsburgh has ever drafted? Tommy Maddox. They didn't draft him. Denver drafted him. Denver actually drafted Maddox to uh, be the heir apparent to Elway. And it to Terry Bradshaw and uh, that that guy that raped the women. What's his name again? The uh, the, the, the current quarterback, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it. That's the only. I mean, they drafted Bubby Brister, 
Uh, and, you know, that worked out the way that it did. Woo-hoo. Yeah. And Cordell Stewart. Cor- yeah, Cordell, right. And they, they, they picked up Josh Dobbs last year, who I liked. But what I'm saying is that we, we shouldn't assume. I mean, Pittsburgh got kind of, well, not kind of. They got lucky with Roethlisberger because, honestly, we should have drafted him. But Butch Davis took uh, his guy from Miami instead. Um, so they got lucky with, with Roethlisberger. I wouldn't assume that the Steelers are like these, this, uh, you know, super-duper, you know, wise, uh, you know, talent evaluated. They, they just got lucky, honestly. They they, they they do draft pretty well, but they usually cherry pick out of Ohio State. So you know how that goes. True. And plus, well, they draft well. And this kind of goes back to the whole, you know, question whether, you know, nature versus nurture and so on. You know, you, is it that they draft well or that they develop the guys that they draft better than teams like us because they've got the same uh, group of people in place, you know, that, that have been running the show for all these years? Honestly, six, six in one hand, half dozen in the other. They they draft good and develop good. I I disagree. I think it's definitely a culture thing when it comes to Pittsburgh. It's definitely about the culture of that squad. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the, the the point that I'm making is that with them, they bring in guys that are going to uh, fit. What are they talking about now? In yours. We're, we're <laughs> uh, nature versus nurture. Yeah, we're well. Okay, might as well. This, this is good enough time as any. We just had an addition to our uh, to our group here, uh, a new dude to add to the dude valanche here for the DBN Network's most important draft of our lifetimes 2018 coverage. The uh, second half of the now I'm getting feedback from somebody here, but the second half of the uh, BBB program. We have Scott T that's on the line, and we also have uh, joining us now Robo Dog. What it is, Robo? Hey, how's it going? Sorry about the uh, unintentional intrusion there. I am also here with Lawyer Dave. Hey, Lawyer Dave. Hey, guys. Howdy. Hey, do you have a uh, speaker on? Because if you do, it's feeding back in. Do we have a say that again? A speaker. Because you not well. Well, kind of. We're, we're trying. We're trying to get both of us here at the same time, but my computer isn't cooperating very well right now. Gotcha. Okay. Well, it's uh, feeding back a little bit. We'll try to uh, navigate well, that. As we go let, let me let us dial back in, and we'll try again later. All right. Well, uh, Robo and Lawyer Dave, come on back later on, and we'll uh, we'll get you back in here. Uh, but no, I think the, the the culture question is is an important one because while we okay we we draft a, a guy, we draft players, we have. Uh, a coach, a GM, a group of people that goes and they draft a, a guy to do a thing. And then within two to three years, they, well, not not two to three years, within two years or less, those guys are uh, summarily dispatched. They, they are replaced. They're fired and, and replaced with other people. And the players that they drafted, right, the, the guys that they brought in, they brought in the first and second and third rounds that were brought in to do specific things, now those things don't apply because you've got new people in here that want to do new th- And not only that, those guys that are on the roster were not the guys that they brought in. So they don't have the same sort of investment in those players. And meanwhile, you've got teams, and with us, it's a revolving door. We go through this every other year, and now we are in the uh, the same process where we've got a GM that's drafting for his first time. Yeah, we have a coach going into his third year. But honestly, we still don't have a continuity of personnel, whereas in Pittsburgh, they've had the same guy doing the draft for the last, I don't know, 35 years. And with uh, Baltimore, it's the same thing. Ozzie Newsom has been the only GM that team has ever had. And they have a culture there that even when they miss on guys, I mean, they missed pretty badly on Brashad Perriman a couple of years ago, but it doesn't matter as much. 
because they they end up getting quality players out of the fourth, fifth, sixth round guys that they draft because those guys then go into a already predetermined culture that is effective and works. And we just don't do that. I mean, it's I, I think that so I mean on yeah maybe they do better at the at the hitting the dartboard and and the kind of the winning the lottery of the draft. But honestly, I think that this has a lot more to do with with what they are, who they are, and how they do things, and the fact they do it consistently every year, than it is about them just just uh, hitting on the right picks. You know, that says a lot about who that team is, like the identity of the of the squad. I mean, that's a hard nosed, tough blue collar team in Pittsburgh. And in the end, when I think about this quarterback draft class coming up now, I kind of think the player we draft should say or should establish a kind of identity or culture with the Browns. And that's why like I kinda got a problem with Baker Mayfield. Like I don't necessarily see that as being the kind of the kind of identity that you want to establish for your organization. I, you could I mean I know you think differently about this though. Yeah, easy. Well yeah, I mean I I, I actually look at it from the standpoint of we kind of need somebody that uh, I mean, because look, uh, if, if you've been following this team for any length of time, I mean, we, we've been the doormat of the AFC North for as long as the AFC North has been around. Uh, we're we're an afterthought. We're a team that when the schedule comes out every year, the other teams in our division circle it and say, okay, there's two automatic wins, and they are right every year. And after a while, and then on top of that, you know, we've seen the careers of Colt McCoy and Muhammad Massacaw and, and uh, uh, Josh Cribbs even got dinged up the one time. I mean, basically get ended because you've got these guys on these teams that don't respect us, uh, and the league certainly doesn't do anything about it. They go and they take their shots at our guys because they know that nothing's going to happen. They know that they can basically do anything that they want to do to us, and nobody's going to do anything about it. It's just never going to get addressed. I mean, Antonio Brown kicked our punter in the face and nothing happened. It just, it, I mean, it just, it just came and went, exactly, and that was it. So for me, yeah, I want a guy that is is going to, yeah, okay, definitely, you know, brash and, and probably shouldn't be grabbing his crotch on the sideline, but at the same time, I I kind of want that guy. I kind of want that guy that is uh, going to go out there, fire people up, point to the other team, and say we are taking you down. And I don't see that. I don't see that same sort of, you know. I, and I want to say competitive fire. I mean, it'd be, be too uh, a cliche with all of this. But it's just I see an attitude with Mayfield. You know, all things being equal, you know, yeah, I'd like to see somebody that was maybe a little bit more uh, demonstrated an ability to, uh, you know, handle things like if, if, if the KU thing. Yeah, the ideal thing would have been for him to just kind of laugh it off and still go out there and rip apart their defense. Well, he didn't do that. He went out there, ripped apart their defense, and then said, okay, you don't want to shake my hand? Well, here's my boot. And and now here's something else for you. Um, I I kind of think that given the the way the the circumstance that we are in, you know, all things being equal, I'd like to have that guy. But all things aren't equal. That's the point. We're the Cleveland Browns, and we need a shot of adrenaline with this organization. And that's what I see Baker Mayfield being. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that, but of all the guys that are there, you know, and that's the other thing too is that you almost need somebody that can take a look. I, I kind of and I. I, I, I want to be careful making this comparison because I'm not trying to say I, I don't want to overstate the case here for for Mayfield, even though I think he's going to be fantastic. I don't want to try to to say that he's at this level, but it's kind of like 
um, the, the task of winning a basketball championship that was taken on by LeBron James. That was a monumental mountain to climb. That was something that was damn near impossible. And yet he took the challenge on and he got it done through sheer force of will. He got that done. And in order for this to happen for the Browns, and I'm not even talking about winning a Super Bowl here. I'm just talking about changing the culture. I think we need somebody like that. I think that we need somebody that's going to come in and, the, and say, I don't care about the and, – and not just not care about all of the negativity and the fact that we haven't won for a long time. Everybody says that. Johnny Manziel said he was ready to come in here. I'm talking about a guy that, <coughs> that can look us straight in the face as an organization and say, I don't care that Jimmy Haslam has an asinine organizational structure. And I don't care that Hugh Jackson is a backstabber. And I don't care that you have all of these other problems internally that cause us to be bad every single year. I am going to grab this team uh, by the, the the throat. I'm going to we are I'm going to will this team into being a winner if it's the last thing I do because I'm that crazy slash stupid enough to do it. And I also think, and this is just and, and look, this is all speculatory, but I also think that one of the things that's going to propel this, and it already kind of started a little bit earlier when I was um, listening to the NFL Network in preparation for all of this, if we draft Mayfield number one, and I'm still not convinced that that's going to happen, even with all the reports today. I, I, if you gun to my head, I still think we're going to draft Josh Allen. But if we draft Baker Mayfield number one overall, immediately, immediately, the moment that the, the, the selection is announced, the LOL Johnny stuff is going to start. And the comparisons to Johnny Manziel are going to be all over the place. And this is what I contend. To a guy like Mayfield... What that's going to do is motivate him and light a fire underneath him that isn't going to be extinguished until the guy wins 10 Super Bowls. And that's the sort of, again, I could be wrong about that, but that's the sort of thing that you just don't get that, I don't think, from any of the other candidates that are out there. And I think that it requires that sort of a personality to to really uh, turn this thing around. Because I mean, we're at a... I mean, we're, we're at a pretty pretty tough spot here. And it's going to take somebody that's extraordinarily strong-willed to be able to withstand all of that because I'm afraid that if it's anybody else, they're just going to get buried under the avalanche of negativity. Hey, Easy, uh, you know, I, I love the talks on Baker's, um, you know, moxie and everything that he has, but I'm kind of in fear that it's going to be too much for him and for the Browns organization with the past, you know, Johnny thing and everything like that, not comparing Baker to Johnny at all, but we'll compare Baker to Johnny in the sense of there's going to be so much weighing on him being the Cleveland, you know, Cleveland Browns quarterback of the future. Can he handle it? I, I think, yes, he can handle it. But what is, you know, when he grabs his jock and spits at Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh ain't playing that. The Bengals ain't playing that. The Ravens ain't playing that. So I just think he's, he's going to get his ass kicked in the NFL, and especially in the AFC North. Well, here's the thing about that, because you've you brought this up in the past. And in, in a s- scenario where he's taunting the Steelers, again, if you're using the model of the KU game, that happened as a result of... Hey, now, don't, don't get me wrong. If, if he goes out and grabs his jock at the Steelers and spits on them and then puts up 38 points and, you know, they got nothing... I will absolutely love it, but I, I, just, I just don't see it playing out. Well, let me, let me tell you how, I, how it better play out, all right, is if let's say that the Steelers are trying to get in his head the way that KU got in his head, all right? 
And if they're doing that, the only reason that they would be doing that is because the guy is effective on the field. Right, because if he's not effective on the field, why even bother? They never tried to get in Colt McCoy's head. Well, you, you you do bother because you know that that's part of his game. So you get into his head to play a psychological game to him. And hey, if you can get into a quarterback's head as a defense, the little giant showed you that with uh, Alcazar in their mouths. But what I'm it's sa- effective. But what I'm saying is that if if he's good, right? If Manz- or if if, Manz- if Mayfield is an effective quarterback for us. If right? though, if okay, if. fine, but I'm saying I, I just I, I'm, I'm I, I saying believe that, it's too big of a gamble for the Browns to take at one. But listen, you got to let me finish this point here. Is that if the guy is our quarterback and he's playing well, and one of those SOBs from Pittsburgh takes a shot at him after a play or anything like that, then there had better be some prison style brawls happening on the field at that point. Sean Coleman well, yeah, better grab. We, we've talked we've talked about this before, and you know we talked about it with the. Uh, the kicker getting a headshot from Antonio Brown. That's what I'm saying. Moxie behind the team. I don't even think anybody picked our kicker up off the ground after that happened. And that's what I'm saying. So, if, so if, to, 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 to say to say that Baker Mayfield's going to come in and change the whole organization and change everything, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, all right. I mean, but but somebody is going to have to if it's ever going to if it's ever going to be changed. The thing well, I, I take issue well, with we've, is we've been, easy. The, we've been the doormats for so long. Um, with the AFC North and the NFL, we're the, we're the classic LOL Browns. Who's going to do that? You're, you're asking for an undersized quarterback that played in a crap division for quarterbacks. Is going to come in here and do that? I mean, that's asking, that's asking more of Mayfield than you're asking you know, of Manziel when he was drafted. Well, we're asking whoever we draft here to do that. That's the point. Whoever it is that comes here is going to have to take on that challenge, whether they want it or not. Well, it's, well, it's well, part- well that's, that's, why, that's why Tyrod Taylor is going to start, Drew Stanton's going to back up, and the quarterback's going to sit a year. So why not take a quarterback with a super high upside that is not asked to come in. You really think that like drafting Baker uh, Mayfield, dude, we're going to be clamoring for him after Tyrod Taylor goes zero and three, or or even one and three, or even two and one. We're going to be clamoring for this kid once we see him in the preseason against third stringers. They're going to be clamoring for him. You and, so let me ask you this: I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to jump back in so abruptly, but you're you're saying. Because the fans, he's good enough that the fans would want him to play that we shouldn't take him? Is that the argument I'm hearing right now? That's Matt Mramer, by the way, jumping back in with us. I think that the media hype and the, the, the publicity behind being Cleveland Browns franchise quarterback is going to be too much for Baker Mayfield, and he is going to show his ass on the field and get his ass kicked on the field in the AFC North. Well, this is what I'm saying, well, though. What's if- your basis of that, though? I mean, you can. I'm not saying you're, you're entitled to your opinion, of course, but when you look at the film uh, and you look at the history of his play on the field, uh, I would say out of all these quarterbacks, he seems least likely to do that. What I'm saying, though, uh, is... How, how do you figure least likely to do that? He's done that all throughout his college career against inferior talent. He's done what? He, he's won a Heisman Trophy, carried his team to the Heisman national championship. Heisman the national semifinal. mean nothing in the NFL. No, but I'm saying, what do you, what, what's your point? My point is, I believe that Baker Mayfield is the wrong choice for Cleveland in the AFC North based on his high profile, his swag, 
that I'm just saying that shit's not going to fly. You're playing Pittsburgh two season, you know, two games out of the season, and you want to grab your jock at him and spit on him. Somebody's going to take his head off. Well, who's going to stick? You know, like me and Easy talked about, we're all about sticking up for your guy. But who's going to stick up after him? Well, but that's you're, well. You're, I mean, he was sticking up in that situation. I mean, the, the, the KU game, they refused to shake his hand before the game, so that was a sign of disrespect. That's the thing I think is a misunderstanding here. People act as if Baker is a disrespectful guy. They they stood in front of him and he tried to shake their hand before the game, and they refused to shake it. So to me, that was what spurred him uh, to to say, you know, screw you. And, and in a sense, I like that. I, I, maybe not the jockstrap grabbing and you know being so publicly arrogant about it. But I like a guy having an attitude of saying, hey, you spurn me. You try to embarrass me. I'm going to come out and I'm going to flatten you. And then I'm going to laugh at you. Right. And, I, and here's my point, Big Town, is that if – Hey, you know, hold on. I don't know who, who was talking first because I don't have the name bops up. But I, I agree with what you're saying. And as me and Easy has talked back and forth, you know, I, I am down for the hard-nosed football. I think, you know, that needs to be brought back to Cleveland. But at the same time, I just – I just don't believe an undersized quarterback is going to get the team so fired up that someone, when somebody gets flatlined by Pittsburgh or by Cincinnati's dirtiest players, that the team is going to back them up like that. No, what I'm saying, now, maybe what, it happens, maybe it doesn't. Um, and if Baker, you know, can you know put together a game to where you know he does grab his jock and spit on the Steelers players and racks them up by 38 points, and we come away with the victory in Week One, hell, I'm all about it, dude. But I, I just don't see it happen. With an undersized quarterback. I just don't. The him being undersized doesn't have anything to do with this. And what you're saying is that it has to do with the attitude. And my point on this is that if he or any of our guys, if future Hall of Famer Kyle Laletta is our quarterback and he ends up getting cheap shotted by if he ends up getting cheap shotted by let's say James Harrison is playing for Pittsburgh again and he comes around the edge and cheap shots Kyle Laletta and well, he's Kyle, Kyle Laletta is not gonna get cheap shotted by why? anybody because he's, he's a master he's a mastermind but, of the damn backfield. Teammates don't don't stand up for players this, that are undersized. Is this, that what you're this, this is this is the point, dude. If if any <laughs> of our this is getting very off track. If our if any of our quarterbacks nope. are getting are getting cheap shotted by the Steelers or the Ravens, then Sean Coleman. Let's say that it's Terrell Suggs. Sean Coleman better grab Terrell Suggs by the face mask and twirl him into the stands. There better be some hospital rooms for these guys if they're going to go after our quarterback. I don't care who it is. And the idea only if they're over six one. Yeah, well, I, I, mean, I don't care who I mean, it is. I mean, I agree. <laughs> Fuck Pittsburgh. Get these little pussies out of here. Oh. History repeats itself. Well, that's the we're point. The door, we're and the doormats of the NFL. We're the doormats of the AFC North. So who are you going to bring in to change yeah, that? Yeah, so why would you take the guy who changed the culture at Oklahoma and brought them to the national semifinal and won a Heisman Trophy and was doubted his entire career, doubted by a, presumably people like you and I, who said this kid is never going to be a Division One player. This kid is never going to be a starter. This kid doesn't have the ability to – go to a Big 12 school or a major five-conference school and, and be a starting quarterback. Not only did he do that, he went there, he was the best player in the damn country. So the reality is, I get what you're saying. We have been a doormat. I'm not arguing that in, in any way. But your your argument seems it seems silly because you're saying because we've been a doormat, we're going to continue to be a doormat because we draft a short quarterback or a quarterback who has an attitude. And the reality is, I want a guy who's going to come in here and truly believe that he's going to change the culture, truly believe that he is the guy to turn the Cleveland Browns into a winner. And I, and drew, I Johnny Manziel believed believe that. that. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Listen to him speak. He didn't put any time into his craft. 
He didn't spend any time in the quarterback room. He was the last one to get to the building. He was the first one out. He did not take pride in his craft. He's not the same as Johnny Manziel in any which way. And you can say because he's arrogant or he has swagger and flair that he's the same guy. It's an ignorant viewpoint. He's not like Johnny Manziel, and he won't be like Johnny Manziel because he prides himself on proving people wrong and by coming in and taking the league by storm. And that's what he's going to try to do, not because he says it or he's got the money phone or he's a celebrity or he took over with the Heisman, none of that. Because he has a genuine desire to be great within him, and he has been told every step of the way that he will not. And so I don't think it's fair for you to act like it's apples to apples with Johnny Manziel and Baker Mayfield. I don't think he was doing that. Do you think Baker Mayfield has upside at all? Do you think he can get better than than what he's shown in college so far? Or is it good enough as it is right now? Are you talking about – I I think it's going to be a hard debate to where have we not seen his ceiling yet. Well, I mean, as, as far as his play on the field, I think the one area, if you're just looking at, you know, uh, mechanically, on his long ball, he's got kind of a like kind of a wonky wind-up type deal, which is really kind of flummoxing because he's got plenty of arm strength, but for whatever reason, he does. But that's kind of a mechanics thing; it could be corrected at the next level. Um, I, I, there's, I mean, yeah, there's there's any number of things he could get. He could shore up his uh, his pocket, um, you know, navigation and so on. Uh, n- nobody's perfect, but the you know the thing is is that the the development of a quarterback i think really has a lot more to do with what happens between the ears than what happens uh you know with your legs and with your feet and with your shoulders and all that type of thing i mean and and the guy is already at a much 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 higher level than i think anybody else that's in this class the idea that the attitude that he has could end up being an impingement on him being successful i think is you know, I think that that's perfectly valid. What I don't find valid is the idea that he's going to come in and be brash, and then that's going to cause teams to retaliate, and then that somehow is going to be you know, he's going to get his ass kicked. Okay, well, fine. If that happens to any of our quarterbacks, I don't care who it is, then every single player on our offensive team better be shanking players on Pittsburgh and putting them in the hospital for going after our quarterback. And if they don't, and if they don't have that impulse, then none of this matters. Quite honestly, none of it matters. If we're just going to allow ourselves to be doormats for the rest of time, screw Pittsburgh and Baltimore, and th- and you know what? They know that about us. They have been doing that to us forever because they know that nobody's ever going to do anything about it, just like Antonio Brown kicking our punter in the face. Nobody's going to do anything about it, so I'm going to do it, and we're all going to laugh at you about it. And if we're not... And, it- and don't you think... Easy, don't you think if there's anybody who's going to put their foot down and say that ain't going to happen, it's going to be Baker Mayfield? Damn straight. That is the whole point. That The entire <laughs> point of this is that Mayfield is the one guy that's crazy slash stupid enough to, <laughs> to take on this challenge. And before we go any further here, we're going to try this one more time. I think that we have RoboDog and Lawyer Dave with us here. Do we have you guys with us now? Hey, yeah, so this is, this is Robo. Um, I, we can't – we're not getting the, the – to audio solution will work, so right now it's just me. But oh. but yes, I'm I'm definitely in and in, in this day. Well, we'll definitely uh, hopefully get uh, lawyer da- lawyer Dave is awesome. He's uh he, he he had a show on with us a long time ago, the uh, the, the Browns business. Uh, but anyway, Robo, we're having this conversation about uh, quarterbacks and about attitude, and we'll just throw it to you as you've listened to a little bit a little bit of uh, this here. What do you think about Baker Mayfield's attitude if he were to be the quarterback for us as it relates to being the guy that could or could not possibly turn this franchise around? I, I, think, that, I think that his attitude is intense and his attitude is, is sometimes uh, going to get him into trouble. But I think that there's a very fine line as to where 
the attitude is positive or negative, and I think he's on the positive side of the line personally. And so, so I know that the, the Johnny Manziel comparisons are inevitable, but I think that if you look at adversity that Baker Mayfield has had to go through in order to make it to the position that he's in today, it's not like he was a freshman five-star recruit who goes on and wins the Heisman Trophy and then goes and then wants to go to the NFL that year. It's, it's, he, he was a walk-on as a freshman, didn't get a scholarship, went to another team, and then and then succeeded and earned his position at that team and and performed despite people telling him that that he wasn't going to be good enough to succeed and i think that for the browns specifically this is a very good attitude to have on our team because because there is all sorts of adversity that he's going to face in the browns whether it's it's serving under tyrod or whether it's the fans throwing batteries at him or whatever whatever the case may be um, I, I think that he needs to keep it in the positive territory, but but I think yeah, I'll 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 stop myself real quick for you, BTB. Um, I, I I just I do think that his attitude is positive, and and I think that that there's gonna this is something that we're gonna have to continually manage. Should he be your draft pick? But I feel very confident about that going forward, um, or more so than I would for Johnny Manziel, who who didn't show the same signs of perseverance that we saw from Baker. And go ahead, uh, BTB, since you got to uh, get out of here, you can have the last word. Yeah, hey, guys, you know, just appreciate being on. Love all you guys. Love the network. Love dogsbynature.com, of course. Um, kind of bounce out, going to the Brownsbackers bar. If anybody on air, if all 10 listeners are in Charlotte, North Carolina tonight, um, come down to Flight Music and Beer Hall. It's Uptown Charlotte. That's where our Brownsbackers are doing the draft party. We got commemorative. Joe Thomas T-shirts going out to everybody that's coming out tonight. Uh, beer Ooh, specials, let me get one. specials, um, food specials. It's going to be a great time. Um, doing it safely tonight, guys. As I, you know, remind everybody to drink responsibly tonight. I'm going to catch an Uber home. The wife, as good as wife she is, even though she's a Pittsburgh fan, is going to drop me off. Uh, everybody have a good draft. Love you guys. Thanks for having me on. You too, brother. Be well out there. I was in Charlotte like three days ago. I didn't care for it that much. Yeah, Charlotte didn't care for you either. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, um, so here, here's uh, what has to happen next year for a programming note. Uh, as the Facebook Live apparatus exists, it only allows for four consecutive hours of broadcast at any given time. And if we were, we are three hours into this one. Thus, if we were to continue much further, that means that we're going to end up cutting off as the draft is started, and nobody wants that. So what we're going to do is very, very briefly step away. If you are listening right now, hang in there, and as soon as this goes off, be ready to get back on the next feed because we're going to fire it right up just within a couple of moments. Uh, this, it, 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 just so that way we can make sure that we are uh, back on in full and have no interruptions when the draft actually starts less than an hour from right now. The most important draft of our lifetimes, 2018, rolls on here on the DBN Network. When we return, we will continue with uh, Thelonious7, Matt Mramer, Manly and Loving It, RoboDog, Darth Batman, and T 73 and me, your host, Easy Weave. We'll be right back right after, well, just right after a few moments. Hang in there and uh, join us on the other side. 
Hi, I'm Kara Swisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.